Thank you for downloading this month's podcast of BJOG Editor's Choice with Deputy Editor-in-Chief Patrick Chien. For this podcast, I'm going to highlight several articles relating to interpartum care. What is good quality interpartum care? This question has not been an easy one to answer. Indeed, there is still a lack of universal agreement on the definition of normality in labour. Shakiba Zadeh and colleagues promote the concept of respectful maternal care, which emphasises the autonomy of pregnant women to participate in clinical decision-making and equitable access to evidence-based maternal care. They perform a qualitative systematic review on the elements of respectful maternal care and identify 12 teams for integration into maternity and newborn care programs to improve the quality of clinical care and to enhance the experience of women undergoing childbirth. They also found that compared with women in high-income countries, women in low- and middle-income countries tend to be less likely to have a personal choice and participate actively in clinical decision-making for the childbirth experience. Some of these differences could be due to cultural variation, but even in a country like the UK, having a personal choice in a place and mode of delivery might still be a postcode lottery. The review by Shakiba Zadeh also highlights that midwives in the UK might view the use of clinical guidelines and protocols as potentially reducing patient choice because of the pressure to comply with recommendations. Most would agree that the goals outlined in guidelines and protocols should be the standard of care for all women having a baby worldwide. But the challenge will be on implementation, as highlighted by Danny in the accompanying mini-commentary. Until now, conventional obstetric teaching has advocated that the physiological rate of cervical dilatation in labour is 1 cm per hour during the active phase of labour. This follows the studies by Friedman on labour partographs and the use of alert lines on these partographs to indicate possible dystocia by Philport in the 1950s and 1970s respectively. Oladapo and colleagues have conducted a systematic review to show that most nulliparous and multiparous women have a cervical dilatation rate of less than 1 cm per hour up to 5 cm cervical dilatation. Hence, the use of the traditional partograph could lead to some cases of unnecessary augmentation of labour or even operative delivery. Indeed, the researchers have also shown that some women with a slower rate of cervical dilatation can still achieve a normal vaginal delivery and perinatal outcome. Zhang also highlights that there is a significant physiological variation and significant differences can be observed in the pattern of labour among women from different regions of the world. Souser and colleagues report that the use of the WHO organisation partograph alert line in 13 maternity hospitals in Nigeria and Uganda does not predict severe adverse maternal or neonatal birth outcomes. This further raises concern on the validity of the partograph to manage women in labour. However, Okuno Fua expresses caution regarding this conclusion, highlighting that the partograph was never designed to predict adverse birth outcomes and that some of the hospitals recruited into the study 
might not have sufficient resources to manage the labour of the women delivering at their facilities, according to the Partograph Alert Lines. In response to recent findings, WHO has launched a new set of intrapartum guidelines emphasising the goal of achieving a positive birth experience, and this issue has a commentary by Oladapo to publicise it. The guidelines consist of 56 evidence-based recommendations and are intended to be used across all different clinical settings, irrespective of how healthcare is organised and of available resources. The document recommends that the start of the active phase of labour is defined as a cervical dilatation of 5 cm or more in the presence of uterine contractions and, in, and that its duration should be up to 12 hours. It also recommends that the duration of the second phase of labour is usually completed within 3 hours and that using the cervical dilatation threshold of 1 cm per hour should be avoided for the assessment of normal labour progression. Additionally, the recommendations state that discharge from a birth facility should not be earlier than 24 hours following that delivery. Whether these recommendations can or will be incorporated into clinical practice globally remains to be seen. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for listening to this month's BJOG Editor's Choice. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at bjogtweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.